Good morning, faithful listener. You are listening to the Bible Explained podcast, where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and stay tuned as we read through the book of Luke. Woohoo, it's Thursday, which means one more day until the weekend starts. <laughs> Uh, personally, I love weekends now. I have set my schedule so that I get Saturdays off each week, which is great for me because my husband typically has off on Saturdays and it's fun for me to actually be able to see him on occasion. So yeah, one more day until Saturday, but no matter what day it is, it is a great day to learn about the Bible. Hence why we are going to be talking about Luke chapter 20 today, verses 9 through 19. But before I begin that, another way you guys can learn about scripture is through a devotional I am coming out with very quickly here. If all goes well, it'll be coming out next week on the 14th. But yeah, that devotional is another way you guys can learn more about the scriptures, can learn more about God and about the holiday that is Advent, because I think that we've kind of lost what Advent really is. And we kind of think of it more as like a Catholic holiday or one of those candy calendars that you can get where you open the little doors and eat the candy out of it. (laughs) And you never wait until the next day. You just eat all the candy at once, or at least I do. But yeah, those are aspects of Advent for sure. But Advent is a really great holiday that we've kind of lost touch with over the years. So that is why I wrote this devotional was to help teenage girls understand more about Advent and the importance of Advent and Jesus's birth and waiting for his second coming and all of that good stuff. So that will be coming out next week. So if you know of a teenage girl that needs an Advent devotional, if you know of any girls groups that need it, then consider the Adore Advent Guide for Teen Girls. But anyway, let's go ahead and read Luke chapter 20, verses 9 through 19 today. I'll be reading out of the W.E.B. as I usually do. But feel free to grab your Bible and your cup of coffee. Feel free to pause the podcast for a moment to get those things. And just sit back and relax as I begin reading Luke 20, 9 through 19. He began to tell this parable. A man planted a vineyard and rented it out to some farmers and went into another country for a long time. At the proper season, he sent a servant to the farmers to collect his share of the fruit of the vineyard. But the farmers beat him and sent him away empty. He sent yet another servant, and they also beat him and treated him shamefully and sent him away empty. He sent yet a third, and they also wounded him and threw him out. The Lord of the vineyard said, What shall I do? I will send my beloved son. It may be that seeing him, they will respect him. But when the farmers saw him, they reasoned among themselves, saying, This is the heir. Come, let's kill him, that the inheritance may be ours. Then they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. What therefore will the Lord of the vineyard do to them? He will come and destroy these farmers and will give the vineyard to others. When they heard that, they said, May that never be. But he looked at them and said, Then what is this that is written? The stone which the builders rejected was made the chief cornerstone. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces, but it will crush whomever it falls on to dust. The chief priests and the scribes sought to lay hands on him that very hour, but they feared the people, for they knew he had spoken this parable against them. Well, we know that Jesus was teaching in the temple every single day, and this is the week leading up to Jesus' death and resurrection. 
So this is a very important week, and Jesus is getting his final messages out to the people. And Jesus is not pulling his punches at all at this point in time. He is definitely just saying how it is. He's driving out people from the temple. And as at a certain point, he actually goes into this really long... Um, <laughs> This really long thing about the scribes and the Pharisees where he's like, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. And I think that's in the book of Matthew, where it's an entire chapter about basically how hypocritical and bad the Pharisees really are. So I find that um, interesting. And that was towards the end of Jesus's life that he was talking to the Pharisees in that way. They were starting to get really, really mad at Jesus because they just didn't want to hear any of this stuff. And so now uh, Jesus says this other parable here, what we just read, specifically against the Pharisees. But here's the thing. I think a lot of times in scripture, we have a, a mindset of like, oh, Jesus was just talking to the Pharisees. But I think we need to remove that ideology for a moment and think about Jesus talking to us. Because let's be honest, we all have a tendency to be hypocritical. We all have a tendency to be a Pharisee at times. So I think it's important to look at what Jesus is saying and not who Jesus was talking to necessarily, because he's talking to all of us. Think about it that way also while we're reading through a lot of the things that uh, Jesus is saying. But let's see what this parable has to say. So he began to tell people this parable. So this was very public. This was while Jesus was probably in the temple preaching. I would guess it happened right after this whole confrontation where the Pharisees um, initially came up to Jesus to try to embarrass him. And I would guess it happened pretty soon after that. So he began to tell the people this parable. And he talks about this man who planted a vineyard. So we know that this man is God the Father. And the vineyard would probably be Israel. We see that Israel is often related to a vineyard a handful of times. I actually just read um, read something about a vineyard in the Old Testament. I think it was in one of the prophets. And it was talking about how the vineyard wasn't producing anything or it was like producing brambles or something like that. And that was God talking about how Israel, who is the, the grapevine, the vineyard, was just producing bad vines, basically. So this vineyard is probably talking about Israel specifically. So this vineyard is definitely talking about Israel for sure. So this man plants a vineyard, God the Father plants Israel, I suppose. And he rented it out to some farmers. So this kind of a deal back in Jesus's day was pretty common. If a person had a field, they could rent it out to somebody and the person could like farm it and get uh, produce from it. But then some of the profit that they made would go back to the owner who originally owned the land and just rented it out. In fact, I know somebody actually that rents out um like a couple acres to some guy and the guy comes and like plants soybeans on it. <laughs> yeah. The guy that rents out the property actually goes to my church and his like this soybean field is in his backyard pretty much. This was more common, I would say back in Jesus's day than it is nowadays. So the people hearing these parables would have had a good understanding of what Jesus was talking about because this was everyday occurrences and Jesus often spoke to the people in terms that they could understand. 
So this man rents out the vineyard and ends up going away to a different country for a long period of time. So at the proper season, he sends a servant to the farmers to collect his share of the fruit from the vineyard. So he's like, okay, servant, go back to this property and get the grapes that I am owed. So the servant goes and travels and winds up at the vineyard that the landlord owns and expects to get his share of the grapes. But the servant gets beaten up by the guys that rented out the land. Those guys that rented out this vineyard were bad guys. Like they were taking care of something for this landlord. They were supposed to be taking care of it properly and also giving a share of it back to the landlord. And if you think of this in today's terms, God gives us things for sure and we have ownership over those things, but ultimately they really belong to God. So how we take care of the things God gives us is very, very important. And showing thankfulness for the things God gives us is very important also. I'm actually reading this book called Satisfied right now. I forget the name of the author, but it's a great book. It's talking all about just being thankful for the position of life you've been placed in and what God has given you rather than accumulating more and more stuff. So yes, when God gives us something, we are supposed to A, take care of it, but also B, be thankful for it and C, make sure that we're giving some back to him. We actually talked about tithe yesterday in the Old Testament where when the men went out to war, they came back and actually gave some of that plunder to God because that was their way of tithing. So tithe is very important and it comes up a lot. So yes, we are supposed to be tithing. I think God does express even in the New Testament that it is important for Christians to tithe. So anyway, these these guys that were renting out this land beats this servant up and gives him nothing. And this landlord receives his servant back and is like, okay, I'll send this other servant. So he sends another servant expecting these men to pay him what he is owed, but instead they beat up that servant and send him away with nothing. Then the landlord, who is extremely gracious and forgiving, even though these guys beat up his servants, he sends another servant and he's like, maybe he'll listen to this servant. And so once again, same story. The renters beat up the guy, send him away empty. And this is definitely a picture of God sending his servants out into Israel and out into the world where the world treats them terribly and beats them up and persecutes them. This is definitely Jesus talking about the prophets of old who were sent to Israel to warn Israel, to tell Israel to change their ways or God was going to destroy Israel. And instead, they told those prophets to shut up. They didn't want anything to do with those prophets. They beat those prophets. Many of those prophets were killed. And yet God was very merciful and continued to warn Israel over and over and over again until ultimately God sent his only son to save Israel from their sins to warn Israel. I mean, all of Jesus's ministry and John the Baptist's ministry also was warning the people to turn from their sins because the kingdom of God was finally here. 
Obviously, what ends up happening is Jesus is going to die and he knew he was going to die. So he continues with this parable and he says, finally, this landlord says, what shall I do? I will send my beloved son. It may be that seeing him, they will respect him because obviously he's God's son. (laughs) Uh, People who worship God, the father should obviously worship his son and respect the son, respect Jesus. But the fact was, these renters didn't respect anybody except themselves. They didn't actually worship God. They didn't actually care about the son. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. These renters who had this property were supposed to be taking care of it. And yet instead, they were only concerned about their own interests. That's it. Because here's what happens in the parable. The farmers reasoned among themselves saying, look, this is the heir. Come and let's kill him that the inheritance may be ours. So I was reading up on this a little bit. And it's possible that um, back in Jesus's day, factually, if the owner died while renting out his property, it would likely go to the firstborn son. But if there was no son or daughter to take it over, it would go straight to... um, straight to the people that were getting it rented out. So they see this heir and maybe they thought, hey, the landlord is dead. Let's kill this heir and we'll get the inheritance for ourselves. So when Jesus is stating this parable, he's saying here that, look, these farmers want to destroy the heir because they think that they're going to gain that inheritance for themselves. And I mean, the Pharisees in Jesus's time wanted all of the accolade. They wanted all of the people's attention on them. They didn't actually care about Jesus. Like I said before, they didn't care about God the Father. They didn't care. They only cared about themselves and the fact that they weren't getting the attention that they so craved. They weren't getting it anymore. Jesus was getting it all. So these Pharisees are like these farmers who are only out for their own interests, only out to receive the inheritance, I suppose, for themselves. And so this is why I said at the beginning to think about Jesus talking to us instead. I definitely like the spotlight and I have to check myself a lot because when I'm doing something for God, but I'm up there like performing for myself, I think that's being similar to these farmers here who are only out for their own gain. So I think it's important to look at this stuff, not just with the eyes of Jesus talking to the Pharisees, but he's talking to anybody that is trying to gain attention for themselves or doing something holy to have people look at how wonderful they are rather than doing it for God and trying to get people to follow God. We're supposed to make ourselves smaller than God. And a lot of times we don't do that because pride gets in the way and, you know, Pride is a big one. I think everybody has a bit of pride. I mean, it's hard to put ourselves into a servant-like position. It really is. But it is necessary to do because God is the one who needs to get the glory. He is the one who deserves the glory. I don't deserve glory. No human on earth other than Jesus really deserves glory. So because God deserves all the glory... And following after God is the 
best way a person can live. We need to be helping people understand that they need to be giving God the glory and they need to be following after God. So when we start focusing too much on the self, that is being similar to these landowners that want the inheritance for themselves and don't want to give anything back to God. And I mean, how accurate is that for the current church culture that we have going on? And I'm really getting sick of the current uh, church culture. The new thing that's killing me on the inside is the whole thing where it's like, I need to share my truth. No, okay, there is no your truth. There is one truth, God's truth. And sure, people can tell the truth and they can tell what happened to them but that's not their truth. There's just one truth. There's not multiple truths. It's so stupid. Like, just say, I'm sharing the truth. I'm not sharing my truth. That's so dumb. I'm sorry. I really rabbit trailed with that one. My point is, we need to get off of this idea of self. My, I, self. We need to get back to this root of humbleness because humbleness is what is going to draw people to Christ. That is so clear. In scripture, that we need to be humble. We need to make ourselves lower than other people. And it's so hard to do. But as a Christian who is truly trying to follow after God, that should be everyone's main motivation. That should be my motivation. And to certainly put myself under God, because God is the only one who deserves that level of glory. So, what ends up happening here is these farmers kill the son, and throw him out. And so Jesus says here, what's going to happen? He says, the landlord is going to come and destroy these farmers and give the vineyard to others, which is uh, kind of a story of what happened. You know, I mean, God, when he sent Jesus, his son, he gave the inheritance to everybody, the entire world, not just the Israelites anymore, but to the Gentiles also. You no longer had to be a Jew or convert to Judaism to follow God, to follow Yahweh. Now we can just be Christians, one body of all sorts of different nationalities of people. It doesn't matter anymore. God gave the inheritance, not just to his son, but we are all allowed to share in that inheritance now of this beautiful vineyard. So after that, the people say, may that never be. And so he looked at them and he said, then what is this that is written in Psalm 118, verse 22? And obviously this is a psalm. It says, the stone which the builders rejected was made the chief cornerstone. Obviously the cornerstone is the stone that holds up the entire building. <laughs> uh, I used to live in the state of Pennsylvania and Pennsylvania is called the um, cornerstone state. I think it is. Yeah, I think it is the cornerstone state, right? Keystone state, that's what it is. But yeah, the, the cornerstone or the keystone is the stone that everything else is built on to maintain the structure. So Jesus is referring to himself as the chief cornerstone that the builders ended up rejecting. So obviously, if you don't build with a cornerstone, your structure will be unstable. And I mean, David, when he wrote about this in Psalms, was was prophesying that uh, that was what was going to happen to Jesus. 
So then he says here in verse 18, everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces, but it will crush whomever it falls on to dust. And I mean, that's just a good analogy of anybody that chooses to follow Jesus. Anybody that falls on that stone is going to be broken to pieces, which is true because we do have to take up our cross to follow Jesus. In a way, we we are broken. We are humbled. We have to be humbled. All of this is kind of, in a way, is talking about humbleness and humbleness, it breaks us. So yeah, any person that falls on Jesus is going to be broken. But it says here, it will crush whomever it falls on to dust. So the people who choose not to fall onto Jesus, it says the, the cornerstone is going to fall on them, but it's going to crush them to dust. That's talking about the end time judgment when Jesus comes again and all that craziness that happens there when Jesus judges the entire world and comes back as a warrior because that will happen and Jesus warns the people of that many, many times. So it's better to be broken to pieces but not totally disintegrated to dust. So right here, the chief priests and the scribes at that moment seek to lay their hands on Jesus. In other words, they seek to kill him from that very moment. Like they are determined at this point to end Jesus's life after hearing (laughs) this parable about how they're going to end Jesus's life. But they feared the people, but they knew that Jesus had spoken this parable against them. So they were so prideful that even though they knew that this parable was against them, they were going to do exactly what the parable stated. That is how much pride they had. That is how uncaring they were of the things of God. That is how egocentric they were. Was they ended up killing Jesus, killing the son of God. Right after Jesus said that's exactly what they were going to do, which is both ironic and very, very sad. Well, friends, this is definitely a call to humbleness, I think, this episode. So think about that throughout the week, throughout the weekend, actually, how we can be more humble throughout the weekend. But anyway, faithful listeners, I really hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, share it on your social media platforms. And also, if you'd like to support the podcast, go over to p40ministries.com slash shop. Get yourself a t-shirt or one of the devotionals I have written, but also stay tuned for the devotional that will be coming out next week. I'll see you guys tomorrow for an episode out of numbers. But until then, and as always, happy listening and God bless.